0: Everyone, This is Amanda Borchell Dan, and I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hey Times Will Tell listeners, it's Jessica Steinberg for the Times Will Tell, and I'm here with Eitan Pellet, an American Israeli singer and songwriter who writes music in Arabic, English, and Hebrew. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media.
0: He writes music for major Israeli singers such as Merge and Noah Kirel, and will be part of the team writing this year's song for Israel for the upcoming Eurovision contest. His latest song, Sakatna, which is Falling in Arabic, Eitan sees this song as part of an emerging movement in Israel that is using art to bring together Arabs and Jews. It's a multilingual song. It has over half a million views across streaming platforms. And in the music video, which we'll talk about as well, Eitan really aims to expose Israeli listeners to Bedouin culture and society in Israel. Welcome to you, Eitan.
2: Hi, how are you? Great to be here. Salamu alaikum. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks, thanks, Etan. We're very happy to have you. You have American roots. Wondering, by the way, born in Israel or born in the states and moved here as a kid?
2: I was born in the states. I was born in Boston. I moved as a kid. I kind of, um, while I was growing up, moving in between Boston and Anana, Israel for my whole childhood till I was around like 14 years old, 13, 14 years old.
0: Okay. So yeah. So that dual dual citizenship life. How did you learn Arabic? What's the story on that?
2: I think, first of all, now I can say, like, knowing myself, I'm 26. I had my birthday like four days ago. so. It's, uh, Mazal
0: tov. You no, know, I can say
2: that languages is definitely something that I love. You know, it's a big passion of mine. So and so that's first and foremost why, why I speak Arabic, because I, I really love languages and, and everything that comes with it. But uh, I think it was kind of intuitive to me when I moved to Israel. I mean, they offer Arabic in high school as and, Al-Khava, and, and it's something that you can major in in high school. And it uh, really interested me. I felt like I'm in the Middle East. And I don't know, I kind of surprised, I, I found it kind of surprising that people don't know Arabic here. I don't know, it's just something that kind of struck me, which is. Uh, Apparently, that's like not like it, it's not as striking as I as I thought it was. But voila, well, um, that that's just uh, that was the thought, and I fell in love with the culture and the language. And
0: but you but you also write songs in it. Uh, that's you know taking it a step further. So, so from there on, it's, I I
2: did Arabic in my army service. I was in Shmonimatim, which is um, the intelligence unit, and I was a commander there of an Arabic unit. Um, And my first half a year of my service was just Arabic, you know, like from seven in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, just studying Arabic. So it was very intense. Um, And after I finished my army service, I'm always looking for meaning in, like in life and with what I do. And uh, I just uh, decided that I want to move my passion for Arabic uh, to education. I felt like there's enough people, good people working in security in Israel who like Arabic, but there aren't enough in education. So uh, I moved to, yeah, I did a crazy change in my life. I moved to a Druze village um, called Julis in the north of Israel. And I spent, yeah, spent a year living with like uh, a, through a program.
0: Free army program. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's like a pre-army gap year kind of leadership program that brought Jews and uh, Jewish youth together and I lived with them and I would teach lessons in Arabic and in Hebrew and obviously living and being immersed uh, like being like around inside an Arab uh, speaking village is something that helped my language also with my confidence and uh, when I decided to start doing music I mean that's a whole other story why I decided to start that. But it kind of felt uh, natural to my path and what I do to incorporate Arabic in, in my music. So I just, uh, I don't know, I didn't really think about it. It just seemed like obvious to me.
0: You play guitar. I don't know. Maybe you play other instruments as well. I I play
2: the piano now for like maybe two years. So guitar and piano. And I produce a little. So, you know, today everybody's like doing all the instruments through their computer.
0: Yeah, You have to do it all. But so where tell us a little bit about your musical path. When did guitar happen? When did singing and songwriting start for you?
2: I started studying guitar when I was like in second grade um, in Boston. Um, I remember Gary, my first guitar teacher, teach me Smoke <laughs> on the Water, all the rock songs. <laughs> um, but uh, I was actually very shy when I was a kid. I mean, I'd always write songs. That's something also that, I, that um, I'd always do in my room. and But I'd never show it to anybody. Um, and that's like the, the whole uh, switching gear to actually deciding to pursue music and singing in front of people and showing my songs only happened pretty late thing happened like after my army service around the Mechina time, mostly in my, my, uh, the big trip after army,
0: which you took to where, where did you go?
2: I, w- I went to South America for half a year and I, I don't know, I just had this like kind of switch in my mind. I was like, this is a time to try all the discomforting things that I always thought are like something that, you know, like the opposite of like every like decision I had to make suddenly I would think what's like comfortable and what's not comfortable. And I try and do what's less comfortable. And and pushing I yourself just
3: went,
2: yeah I'm a mash. so i just went out to the street i'd take a guitar i'd perform in the street and uh, i remember my first show in brazil i was just like standing in the street and there's like a hundred people stopping to watch me but then i was like ah, oh, you know there's something here
0: Well, wow. <laughs> i might know how to do yeah. something here
2: Okay. Yeah. so i came back to israel and i just went all in with the music i just started to work with producers work on my own songs and just show it to be you know step by step but uh, and then my first song out was uh it was a big, uh, like a viral hit here in Israel.
0: Let's listen to a short piece of Eitan's breakout hit, Where Are the Days?, which went viral when it first came out. Eitan was also nominated as the Gal Galatz 2020 Breakout Artist of the Year following this first single. Gal Galatz is one of the hit radio stations here in Israel.
3: Back to that place where it's okay to make mistakes. Sun is setting, getting late. Help her change the path she takes. Well, girl, don't you do that, don't you do that, don't you do that. Want to make it right, want to stand and face a fate Want to make it through the night Fear is driving me insane Song. Girl, don't you do that Don't you do that Don't you do that Take a back To the day will be left out through The nights together Turn around, show your face It's okay to not
0: you found a lot of success pretty early on. How did that all come about? In other words, to meet producers and to you know to find success virally with your song, uh, to write songs for other for other singers. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: I mean, you're bringing me to a time where I think I think if I look back and before I put out my first song, I think that that kind of narrative in my story. Uh, f- w- like I, I come to music from a place of meaning like I come for it to, to I have a certain agenda and I have a certain thing I want to say and uh, I would I would say that in my when I got the opportunity to meet people in the music industry and um, I would say that and I feel like people would uh would be intrigued by it and curious by it and I feel like that's something that opens some doors for me mm-hmm. um and uh, and then from like you know then it's just creating in music and the music speaks for itself but um but i think writing for others that's only after my first song that came out it was a, uh, as i said it was like a, I think it was like number one in the country on spotify and Shazam and everywhere and so i got like a lot of people from the industry asking me to write them uh, yeah yeah who are music. you
0: who is this uh, guy it's an yeah yeah and then especially this past
2: year i find like i have a um kind of branded myself as a an english songwriter especially here in israel there's a lot of a lot of international talent here in Israel, and people trying to do international careers. And I help people with their accents as well and uh, just and the writing itself. And I'd prefer to write in English than I do in Hebrew. That's for sure.
0: I keep on writing The Times of Israel about all of these Israeli singers who are who are definitely trying to make it abroad. Noah Kurel Merga. I mean, there's really like a list of others. And clearly having someone who actually knows how to write music and write songs in English is a big advantage to them. I imagine you also bring something else to the table. Like it's not just writing the music. It's not just writing the song, but it's it's that cultural, that societal thing that's so necessary when you write a song that's really going to be able to hit it somewhere else. Definitely,
2: definitely. I feel that 100%. And I can say that actually, exactly what you said is something that I was thinking about like a few weeks ago with my music in Arabic, because I'm helping all these people with their music in English. And then I said to myself, why do I not do this for myself in Arabic? And recently, I've started to work with, uh, with some Arab, like some native Arab speaking uh, musicians who come to my sessions and try and help me more with my Arabic to, to wow. you know, wanna perfect
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> Ah, that's yeah. great. And yet, and yet, you mentioned the fact that Hebrew, you do not feel so comfortable writing music in Hebrew. And that is fascinating because you're essentially <sighs> this trilingual guy you live in Israel. I imagine you work in Hebrew, right? Definitely, when you're definitely. I know write in
2: Hebrew. I do. I do. I've done like T V show. I did a Nakhir's T V show. Like I did eleven songs for the last uh, season. Like um but it's like, it's like Israeli Hannah Montana. <laughs> you know, like I did it. So I do, but but it's I don't enjoy it as so much as, why? Uh, as English. Yeah, got, tell us i tell why. I think that actually a lot of a lot of songwriters have heard this from them, so I'm not the only one that would say this that uh, Hebrew is um it isn't very expressive language, but I think that like 90% of the words in Hebrew you're not allowed to use because they sound too high. You know, they sound like too too fancy or like too Tanach. You know, ah. like it was like so you're basically left with like like a small bank of words that you can use. Actually, if you like were to take all the pop Israeli songs because I do mainstream, so if you take all the mainstream songs and actually like run through how many, they're all the same words and like also every word has a lot of syllables. So like you say li. So I could have said three words in English and I could only say one word in Hebrew with that. So it's like more like a puzzle feels more like a puzzle like and a lot of things sound cringy and it's it's uh, every session I've ever been in Hebrew either it's like you're laughing and having a good time and then it's like Hebrew is a great language for writing those kinds of songs I think that there's a lot of humor in Israeli mainstream but if you want to write something serious and honest that's actually a very hard language to to to, to do that some people manage to do that I find more in hip hop in Israel like nechi nechi and tuna and stuff like that they manage to do that better
0: because of the way the words are drawn out because of the way the music is because of the way the music is fit to the words why is that
2: yeah exactly because mainstream music has got to be catchy right and it's going to sit on it's got to sit on the beat and it's got to be in a certain genre and like it's it's all very limiting so like at least in english with with those limitations i like to find the like i find i still don't feel like i've lost my my expression like i can say 20 different sentences on the same melody but in hebrew i find this usually only one that works and you got to spend like 20 minutes looking for that one line like it's
0: it's kind of like Wordle. I don't know if you play well, Wordle, but I Wordle, play Wordle every day. I was about to say it. <laughs> Wordle in English and Wordle in Hebrew—it it blows my mind how different they are.
2: Yeah, so definitely, and I definitely. I, first of all, I do play Wordle with all my. We have a family group, and we do it every day. And by the way, and and and, uh, and definitely, that's what sessions in Hebrew feel like to me in certain, in certain, certain sessions. I've had good ones as well that are different, but a lot of them feel like that.
0: And then what about Arabic? So then how do, how does Arabic a language that I do not know and I don't speak Mm -hmm. uh, as going back to what you originally said, but how does it work in terms of uh, in terms of writing music and writing songs in Arabic? Are the words in Arabic easy, more easily put to music, more difficult Mm-hmm.
2: I find Arabic to be a very uh, rhythmic language, so it brings out diff- different um, phrasing for me. So when uh, different rhythms and phrasings and melodies like I find when I also in sessions, a lot of artists I work with, I like kind of like to move between languages because it keeps me creative. Like with I think about different ideas in every language, you know, so <laughs> that's something that's for sure that I that I and Arabic is I find my most creative. Uh, it's very creative for me. Since it's not my native languages anyway, Hebrew, I'm more thinking, is it okay to say not to say in Arabic? I feel like it's really like art for me, you know, like it's more wow. like drawing or
0: something. Yeah, I like it. I enjoy it a lot. A lot of freedom there. We're going to take a quick break from my conversation with songwriter Eitan Pelad. The surge in anti-Semitism since the October 7th attacks has changed the Jewish community's relationship with a slew of social and political issues. In the newest episode of The Glue, Jewish Federations of North America President and CEO Eric Fingerhut talks to Congressman Richie Torres, who has proved to be a pro-Israel bridge builder, about everything from DEI to social media. Their conversation is fascinating. Listen to it and subscribe to The Glue with Eric Fingerhut wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back to my conversation with songwriter Etan Peled. He writes and sings in English, Arabic, and Hebrew, and he's on this year's Eurovision songwriting team for pop star Noah Carell. I want to talk about Sakatna, and first let's listen to some of it.
3: I'm used to living on the low to be untraceable.
0: The surge in anti-Semitism since the October 7th attacks has changed the Jewish community's relationship with a slew of social and political issues. In the newest episode of The Glue, Jewish Federations of North America President and CEO Eric Fingerhut talks to Congressman Richie Torres, who has proved to be a pro-Israel bridge builder, about everything from DEI to social media. Their conversation is fascinating. Listen to it and subscribe to The Glue with Eric Fingerhut wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I used to never give a damn and now I'm breakable and capable to gain control. I need some space to grow, to face my soul and be someone that doesn't stutter when I'm comfortable. Now I could really use a cover. I feel vulnerable. I'm cold and small, I'm on the fall, I'm naked. Don't help me up, I need to fall to make it. <laughs> Well, are gonna walk side by side. Side by side. Side by side. it by side. Side by side. I just side. I just
0: That's just a little bit of a clip, and we'll have some of it at the end as well. First, let's talk about the video for a second, which is visually beautiful. It's – uh, uh, listeners, will have it, we'll have it linked to the article that is linked to the podcast. But just to – if you're just listening, it's incredibly contemporary looking, and yet it's totally desert and Bedouin. Uh, You've got the sand, you've got the pickup trucks, the Mitsubishi pickup trucks that are often (laughs) driven by Bedouin in the desert in Israel, Um, very identified with Bedouin clans in the desert. And then you've got this very cool dancing dude in his headphones and his uh, iCat kind of colorful turquoise clothing that is Bedouin in its design and yet colorful in a way that I've never seen a Bedouin man wearing. So that's also kind of a very fun thing to see. But yeah, and dancing around this classically white, pure white Bedouin tent, but living room, a modern living room in a sense. So first tell us a little bit about the video. Uh, Who is this? And what was the vision here?
2: Wow, you described the video so nicely. (laughs) I feel like I watched it from your description. That's That's
0: my job. That's my job.
2: (laughs) and um, the video, well, I, I can say from every music video I've done, I've learned a lot. And this is the first time I felt like I'm ready to bring in uh, something extra into my clip, like what I spoke to you about my agenda of mixing the languages and in and, and my songs and wanting to, I want to bridge like different cultures and open eyes to different, to different cultures, especially here in Israel. And um, so I was ready to do that with this clip. Um, and what I did was, first of all, it's the first time I worked with a producer on this song called Stav Begum.
0: who is very well known. I'm just going to say the listeners, yeah, yeah. So he's Israel. like
2: won won the Eurovision with Netta Barzila and done a lot of major hits here in Israel. And um, and I feel like it was the also with the production. And also with the clip, I just like the first time I heard the song, like when he sent it to me, which is very special. When a producer sends you a song for the first time and you get to hear kind of like a finished version, I just had the idea for the clip, like you know, which I don't have. That's the only time that's ever happened to me, and I just really imagined this Bedouin nomad was wearing like Beats headphones, like really modern <laughs> headphones, and I, yeah. I, I, I was like, wow, the song in the production, um, really brings together like Oriental, uh, Middle Eastern kind of like. Um, culture when it comes to music and it kind of clashes that with modern like more electronic music and uh, I just want really wanted to bring something visual that kind of shows that and like a, a Bedouin who's trying to break out the boundaries of like he, he wants to keep his identity and culture but he also wants to break into something more modern and um, which I feel like is something that you know many different cultures feel but I definitely felt that also when I lived in the Druze village I felt that a lot with people there like people who live in more traditional cultures um, who have that kind of clash with wanting to um, to be more modern but also keep the res- be respectful to their culture and to their identity. And um, so that's what I did. I took my photographer called Daniel Zairi, which I've been working with for a long time. We drove to the south of Israel near Arad. and uh, I just took my car a week before the clip. I drove into the, how do you say like a resort like uh, the Bedouin they live a settlement like a Bedouin settlement. They're makeshift, like uh...
0: tent gatherings. They're very makeshift-looking, right? Yeah, everybody
2: there is making their own houses. You know, they're building them themselves. So I, um, I just took my my car and I went for a full day into. Like multiple uh, settlements like this, who's probably never seen like somebody Jewish like just drive into their settlement. So I got probably a lot not. of nose Yeah, I got a lot of notes from people. I spoke to them in Arabic, and I told them that I'm about my idea for this clip and what I want to film. And at the end of the day, I met this amazing guy called Khalil, who just like told me come to my house for lunch. And uh, that's the you talked about the living room in my clip. It's it's his living room, like it's in the really idea. wow yeah. So he just let he said yeah let's let's uh, let's schedule it two weeks later I was there with my full crew and uh, we were filming in their settlement as well it's very important for us for him to walk around with us also because like people open like open eyes on us think maybe we're from like uh you know there's a lot of dispute around these kind of settlements and whatnot
0: sure they think that you're, you're coming to you're coming to bring them something a little more from civil society yeah, instead yeah. of Arts and culture. No, but it yeah. was
2: he was so awesome. It just it was just so beautiful. Like he let us like yeah, he has like horses and uh, and sheep, and he let us just like you like you know, he just welcomed us like into his home so nicely. Um, and then for the clip, I brought I found I wrote out um an ad for looking for an actor. I said, I'm looking for an actor. I told about the idea of the clip. I got up my first call was the actor of the clip. He told me listen, uh, he told me hi, he's 21 years old, his name's Adam El Abid. He's Bedouin and he wants to be a hip hop dancer. And I was just like, I, I couldn't believe that it's like, but wow. that. I didn't even know that there's going to be like this kind of dancing in the clip. But then I was like, of course, that it's got to be that.
0: He's a great dancer. He's a really great dancer.
2: He's really awesome. I'm very inspired by him. And, uh, and then I brought, I feel like for him, it was also really, I feel like it really resonated. He told me your, what you want to show in your clip is like resonates with what I want to do. And that was a uh, that was very special. And the dancers, I brought three dancers to dance dubkin. I wanted to bring like a more. I wanted him to dance hip hop, and the dancers to dance like the more traditional. And Arab dance, but actually an uh, unknown fact is that these dancers are Yem- the Jewish Yemenite they're Temanim, and I dressed oh, really? them up as Bedouins
3: <laughs> I dressed them <laughs> up
2: as Bedouins <laughs> so it was like a mix of all culture things. big everybody yeah, it was awesome, I really enjoyed that and it came out so nice, and I feel like it really touched a lot of people, there. like everybody that saw the clip and I got really great responses from it I got a big uh, on a Kanechata, so like I got a primetime news article about it and stuff, and it's really, really exciting, yeah.
0: Which is very exciting in terms of the local media, absolutely. So we've spoken about Arabic, we've spoken about Israeli. Let's talk a little bit about your, as you know, as we call it here, the American Israelis, were called Anglos, uh, listeners. It's just a funny thing, even those of us who have who are not from England and are not British whatsoever. We're known as the Anglo-Israelis of uh, of this land. And Eitan, you're definitely one of them, although you live clearly, a you don't live in any American ghetto, so to speak, or <laughs> um, certainly not working in that. Um, tell us about what it is to be the American, though. I imagine you are one of the few in the music world that you revolve in. Definitely, yeah. What's that like? And what's that like to be who you are in that milieu of of people, of professional people?
2: That's a great question. I feel like it has so many advantages, of course, um, but I also feel like it it actually has some disadvantages in Israeli culture for me. Like it's it's been a it's been a learning experience for me, especially in the music industry. I'm an independent artist. I do have now like some record deals and some like things, and maybe I'm gonna like get into more like. A structured music deal, but I've been independent for like two and a half, three years and doing business here. Is, 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 I'm very polite, you know, like I try to try be as polite as I can. And, uh, and I, that is really kind of like to the point culture of just, you know, it can be also aggressive sometimes. And, uh, you know, you can't take too many things to heart. And I'm like, I'm I'm very polite. And also I'm very like, uh, how do you say like, I'm sensitive, you know, sensitive. So, like, so I had to develop some thick skin uh, while I was doing this music and um, like Tell especially me about in the it. industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that and also now I just flew I was just spent a month in uh, Los Angeles. It was my first time spending meaningful time in the US in a while and I was just thinking about that question that you asked me. I was thinking like whether I find myself more American or more Israeli and I just I don't know it's the first time in my life where I really feel like I kind of split there's certain things I feel more American and certain things I feel more Israeli. I think it's all about just taking what you what you like and, and especially especially what I feel right now in my age is just like kind of reflecting on it and taking what I what I love about both cultures and uh, and incorporating them and in the stuff that I like less to you know leave behind.
0: Leave behind, so, right? There's plenty yeah. from both that you can absolutely plenty from both. To...
2: Plenty, plenty from both.
0: Tell us actually a little bit about the Eurovision song which you're on this team. As you mentioned, they did a piece about you, on and there was a clip maybe from a Eurovision session, a songwriting session, with a room full of people. Is that what it's like? Is it really a room full of people working on this? Or is it like you and someone else just, you know, chugging out this thing? I can say,
2: first of all, in general, music writing is a room full of people a lot of times, which is (laughs) awesome. I enjoy creating music with lots of people. I mean, it's got to be the right people, right? It's all about the chemistry between people. So I think for the Eurovision, what they decided, was for Noah. Um, was that they wanted to work with people um, that have already worked with her and that she feels comfortable with. So actually, we haven't started uh, writing it yet. We haven't uh, had a. We, but we all know we all know each other, and uh, and I was very humbled.
0: Well, actually, I didn't say this that the singer for this year, which is relevant for this, is Noah Curle. So. Um, who is a very well-known artist here, and who is, as we mentioned before, trying to break out into more international um, platforms, and uh, and that's unusual because usually the Eurovision singer is not necessarily someone who's so well-known. First of all, I'm
2: a big fan of her song, like I love Nochevieja, and uh, and uh, I've been working with her for a while, and I know her family. I love her very much. Oh yeah, you're both from Ranana. Yeah, I know her from Ranana. Actually, I know I know her family from before I was even doing music so. Funny, <laughs> um, funny side story about Nakia. The first time I I come to their I came to their house and I met her. Her brother is a friend of mine from Ranana. And uh, she was already pretty famous then. And he heard my song, that uh, my first song I put out, were the Days, it was a song that I had for like two years on my phone. I never put it out. Like it was just sitting on my phone and I wasn't even intending on putting it out. And he really liked it. And he said, hey, you got to come to my house and uh, and show it to my family. So, like I, He just surprised me. I come into the living room and like he sits, his whole family, including Nozette, and it, like puts me a chair, right? And, like to sing to their family. It was like a reality TV show. <laughs> it was very... That was, my first, that was my first time meeting their family just singing them this song.
0: The song that you hadn't let anyone else listen to. Got it. That's yeah, well, good thing the song was. Uh, it went well.
2: <laughs> she's the first Israeli to sign an Atlantic record. She's like, this is a huge label in the U.S. Um, and I mean, we haven't really sat on it yet. I'm sure we're going to brainstorm it. But I think that, first of all, it's in the Eurovision. I think what I, what I wanted to say before also about writing songs is I really believe in... in music is something therapeutic and something that's uh, that honesty has a big power and so i really would love it for this song to be something that's that's honest you know even though it's mainstream something that's honest and feels right and real to her because I think that the eurovision is such a huge stage watched by like hundreds of millions of people and if it's not a song that you really feel then that can affect your performance even though she's like a top professional but i really feel like for her that's something that could be amazing in english i want to break through that kind of honesty and some text that that's real to her so that's where i think i can bring my uh like me myself to the table with that because that's something i love doing with artists i love sitting with artists and just talking about real things with them i just feel i feel i work i feel like people don't do that so much right i mean you would think in music that's what people do but not really
0: (laughs) interesting it's surprising (laughs) it is kind of surprising but i get it also i think so so then final question for this podcast of ours what are you working on next give us a sense of what we're going to be hearing from you
2: okay so i'm very because i write for other people i'm very like um like i'm all over the place i do a lot of things so i got a few projects going on my main one for my own music is uh still with Stav stuff i'm doing more songs with him so i'm very excited to continue that with the arabic and the um, and the english and maybe also the hebrew i got a song in english and arabic that's coming out um with him i want to film a music video for it in jordan so i'm very excited for that that is exciting (laughs)
0: okay
2: yeah that's my next like kind of dream that i'm gonna do soon um besides that with my own music i got um i got a whole rock project going like a more indie alternative rock um in english which i really love i mean i think that's more the music i grew up on and i really want to to show people that side of me and and when it comes to writing for other people i mean it's i'm I just came back from Los Angeles, and I'm really, really focused on writing like international songs. I want to get um, I, like I've met a lot of amazing creators there, and I really found that I I don't know I felt like I fit in with in the sessions there, and it, that was a nice feeling to feel like I can. Uh,
0: you can live in both worlds.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's I, as I told you, I like to write in English, so I'm looking more to write in English for mainstream songs. No, maybe like a song for Billboard. I guess that would be like my biggest trip.
0: Okay, that'd be pretty exciting. And so we basically know that we're going to be hearing from you again. Eight, <laughs> eight, nine, <laughs> nine. I think that seems pretty clear. Okay. <sighs> <about> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in the meantime, we're going to listen to some of your music at the end of the podcast. And we thank you so much for being with us at the Times Hotel.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.
0: Same here.
3: I gave them my voice. In- Come
1: So much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel, and thanks to our producer Gilad Brownstein.
0: Please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week, shalom.